Hi, I'm Gavin Carlson, and this is Out of Bounds, Daily Bruin Sports Podcast. Coach Prime in prime time, but it was Ethan Garbers who stole the show at the Rose Bowl. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Out of Bounds, the official sports podcast of the Daily Bruin. I'm your host, Gavin Carlson, a fourth-year sports staff writer here at the Daily Bruin. I would say as always, but I can't say that anymore. I was not on the pod last week, um, but my wonderful boss and sports editor of the Daily Bruin, Joseph Crosby, held things down. He did so well that he's not here today with us, um, but I have two fantastic guests, as always, it seems like, on the football podcast. First and foremost, sports senior staff writer Jack Nelson is here with us. Jack, how are you doing on this fine afternoon? I am doing absolutely phenomenal, Gavin. I'll tell you why, because we've got some huge news here at the Daily Bruin. The Daily Bruin has won first place in the category of Best Web Sports Section as awarded by the College Media Association for the 2022-23 academic year. Uh, means quite a lot to me, and I'm sure to Grace as well. We were both assistant editors last year for the Bruins, so... Uh, quite a day in Daily Bruin history today. Yes, huge news. Um, shout out to the entire team. Jack gave us a little preview on the second guest of today's episode. She's not a first-time out-of-bounds guest anymore, but it's still her first football episode. It is fellow sports senior staff writer, Miss Grace Whitaker. Welcome back. How are you doing today? Gavin, I'm great, but I'm not going to lie to you. I'm missing my dynamic duo of Lauren Wang. Don't worry. We'll have plenty of pods with Lauren and you uh, as we continue our women's basketball coverage throughout the season. It's ba- it's almost basketball season, but we are right in the middle of football season for UCLA and for the entire nation. Um, but UCLA coming off, as we said in the intro, a huge primetime win against Coach Prime and the Colorado Buffaloes, 28-16 to 16 in front of a sold-out Rose Bowl Um I know you guys were there. The environment was phenomenal. But the game, maybe not so much, at least in the first half, was kind of up and down. Um, it's ironic. We start UCLA starts this game with an interception on the opening drive, something that has become quite a trend. It's, we thought we got rid of it once um, Dante Moore lost his starting job, but Ethan Garbers comes out and does the same thing. Um, he responds, though, and eventually UCLA puts up four touchdowns. Pretty solid performance from him. Let's just jump right into it. Jack, what did you think of Ethan Garbers' in what was his second straight start and now his second straight win. Well, yeah, the opening interception is kind of like, a, as you mentioned, it's kind of like a running joke at this point. I wonder if Chip Kelly in their offense is doing it intentionally just to mess with us because <laughs> it's getting kind of funny at this point that it just keeps happening every week. Um, but no, for Ethan Garber's in this performance, I was very impressed. Um, obviously, we expected him to do well against Stanford last week when we heard he was getting the start. Um, and we kind of expected the same thing because Colorado's defense was somehow worse than Stanford's defense, especially in the passing game. Um, and that's just how it turned out. Ethan Garbers was, again, very accurate, um, other than, of course, the interception, um, and just consistently was able to lead some scoring drives and was a more, you know, which is a really important part of that offense. Clearly, he made a difference out there. Um, these past two weeks, he's had over 70% completion percentage, uh, which is something Dante has struggled to do, getting, you know, just getting a more accurate passer out there who can really hit his guys and really find the right routes, the right reads has been a big difference for this UCLA offense. Um, so overall, just very impressed with Ethan Garbers in this game. What about you, Grace? What did you think of the performance? Okay, I'm not going to lie to you. Going into the game, when I found out Ethan was starting, I thought it was the wrong call. I thought it should have been Dante. That was my opinion. And then on that first opening drive interception, I was like, okay, I'm right. And then I was quickly <laughs> proven wrong as he ended up having a very great performance. And I think he did very well, but safe to say I was proven wrong Saturday. 
Yeah, I agree. I came in. I think you did as well, Jack, right? You, I think we all thought... I feel like, <laughs> other than Joseph, uh, most of the people on this podcast have felt like Dante Moore should be the guy. Um, but I have to say, I've probably been the harshest critic of the way Chip Candles, Chip Kelly has handled the quarterback situation, um, of the way Ethan Garbers had looked so far. Um, obviously, like Jack just said, he looked fantastic in the Stanford game. Stanford had the second worst passing defense in the country coming into the game. Um, and then this week, Colorado bottom five passing defense in the country. Um, so it's not like it was a super hard uh, opponent once again. But a few things impressed me about Ethan's performance. First and foremost, the resilience, the way he responded. You know, like we said, opening drive interception. Things easily could have crumbled after that. Things easily could have crumbled even further after Carson Steele fumbles not once but twice inside uh, the 25 of Colorado. You know, costs at least, what, six at a minimum, but potentially 14 points taken off the board because of those two fumbles. And then, of course, the missed uh, chip shot field goal as well. So only seven points in the first half. You could have seen Ethan kind of crumble under pressure. Um, but the resi resilience to be able to come back in that first drive of uh, the third quarter was phenomenal. Two plays and a quick touchdown really calmed the whole offense down. Was really impressed by that resilience. Um, and then also just his ability to run. We keep seeing it now. Um, maybe it felt like, you know, to some people a fluke last week, but now you can't say it's a fluke. He's done it two games in a row. He converted a fourth and 11 <laughs> with his legs. So, um, yeah, I think the resilience and the legs aspect of Garbers really impressed me in that game. Uh, Grace, you had one thing to add? Yeah, I will agree. I think that's where he has a leg up from Dante. I think watching... I have to say, leg up, say that's thing. fantastic, <laughs> fantastic. Um, I think Dante, if you watched Utah and that opening drive, from what I gathered, it looked like it rattled him quite a bit. Whereas with Ethan, he threw that opening interception and he just kept going. And even though they ended the first quarter you know, down, he still just kept going. And I think that maturity aspect of being a lot older allows him to do that. Whereas with Dante, it looks like it rattles him a little bit more. Yeah, exactly as Grace is saying. Just the veteran difference is, it's very noticeable. We see it out there between Dante and Ethan when we compare the performances. It's just Ethan settles down much quicker than Dante did in his, you know, his his starts that he had. And we really just see his ability to, he just he's so comfortable in this offense, even after just two starts and very limited action he's had generally in his career. Like he, he obviously knows the scheme very well at this point. Um, he knows the coaching staff very well. And he's made, he's had a quick rapport with these players um, and it's just making a big difference for this UCLA offense because with, you know, not having to worry about the risks of Dante's accuracy and his indecisiveness in the pocket, that's thing, just things you don't see with Ethan's game that just makes a huge difference for UCLA. And I can, I can see the justification for starting Ethan over Dante because of that, but I still am on the side of arguing that Dante should have started this game. Yeah, and we'll get plenty into, you know, what UCLA should do at the position going forward in our preview later in the week. Um, but one thing I will add finally, and then we'll transition, you have to respect not only Ethan's resilience in the game, but his resilience all season. I mean, it's very hard to, you know, he easily could have given up on this team and his opportunity here multiple times. He finally waits his turn. DTR finally leaves. He thinks he's the guy. UCLA secures one of the highest recruits in the history of the program at his position. Even with that, they battle, battle it out all offseason. He earns the job, loses it in the first game, then looks like he's a thir the third option. Schley moves ahead of him. It's like he easily could have given up, but for him to come back now and have two fantastic performances, uh, you really just have to give him his credit for his overall resilience and character. Um, but let's transition now to the defense because while Ethan Garber's impressed, nobody impressed more or no unit impressed more than UCLA's defense. Just all over Shadur Surrenders all game. I mean, I don't think he had 10 dropbacks where he looked comfortable despite throwing the ball 43 times 
Um, they, they limited him to 27 to 43, just 217 yards, a single touchdown for a guy who came into the season top 10 in basically every passing stat. So, um, Grace, we'll start with you. Just what do you think of the defense to obviously making it real tough on Shadur? Yeah, I definitely think Shadur is Colorado's biggest asset. That's definitely not a hot take. And so um, the way they approached that by sort of, I mean, they sacked him. What was it? What did it end up being? Oh, seven times? I, I think it was I think it was seven, yes. They were all over him. I will get the final stat for you, but continue. And they I mean, Colorado didn't end up finding a touchdown until the very last few minutes of the game. And so I think that was a really great job by UCLA's defense. Yeah, it was seven total sacks, uh ten total tackles for loss. And I think this the seven sacks, Jack, kind of feels like an understatement because Shadur, like Chip said it after the game, he was tough. He did a good job of getting out of the pocket when he was under pressure. That seven could have easily been 17, it feels like, with how much Liatu Latu and company were, were all over him, right? Yeah, exactly. And talking about Latu, he had three sacks in this game. Yeah. Uh, he's now one sack short of his total from all of last season. So he's already on a pace to certainly break that total. Um, we've talked about how good he's been this season. Just This was one of his biggest games this season, no doubt. Um and just going beyond the pass game too, just this UCLA rush defense, it was actually number one in the country going into this game, and they backed it up once again. Obviously, we knew Colorado's run defense was kind of a run offense was kind of non-existent because you have Shitter Sanders, and the passing game is just so heavily relied upon there with Colorado. So we didn't expect much from the run game, but when they did run the ball, UCLA gave them nothing on the ground. Um, that's just been a trend all season and something to certainly keep an eye on going forward if they can continue to sustain that dominance on that side of the football. Yeah, I mean, obviously the number's a little skewed because, as always, we say with college football, they include the sacks. But 24 carries for 38 yards, <laughs> 1.6 a carry um, for Colorado. And even if you take out the 13 carries for negative 7 yards for Shadir Sanders, you have, what, 11 carries for 45 yards, if I did that math correctly. Uh, that's still not even, you know, barely over 4 a pop, which in college is not very impressive. Um, I thought the way they limited Travis Hunter was fantastic. Just three catches for seven yards for one of the most exciting players in the country. And um, I thought it was a really good game for Kamari Ramsey. I think he just continues to impress as a young safety. Um, a very difficult kind of task for him with all the, the deep threats that Colorado had. But really the whole secondary, I think, I think had one of its best games. I, they didn't have to do a ton because of how much Shadur was running for his life. But just a very impressive performance from the defense overall. Um, let's go back to the offense because we talked about Garbers, but what about his weapons? I think Logan Loya, you know, he made the highlight catch, and what a phenomenal catch that was. was. One of the best catches I've ever seen. Yes. The toe drag was, it was ridiculous. I have to say, when I was watching it, I was like, why are they even reviewing this? There's no way he got that foot in. And I was saying the same thing. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> And then they throw it up, and you're like, oh, wait. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, but I think an underrated storyline of this game is the running back position. Um Obviously not underrated the fact that Carson Steele fumbled the ball twice. Um, but TJ Harden, for the first time all season, more carries than Carson Steele. And by a pretty substantial margin, he had 20 to Carson Steele's 11. Um, do you think Chip kind of put Carson in the doghouse after those two fumbles, Jack? I mean, definitely. When you draw, when you have two fumbles, and Steele has been very reliable all season. I really His ball handling has been great this season. His, his carrying has been very reliable. Um, so the two fumbles, I think Chip definitely wanted to give TJ some more looks especially because it's been so much more Carson Steele lately. He had a couple 100-yard rushing games, so he was certainly on the on the high going into this game. Um, but yeah, we definitely saw a lot more of Harden than I think we were expecting, it, especially in the later part of the game, as you mentioned, as a result of fumbles. Um, 
didn't necessarily mean Harden was all that more efficient with the ball. I mean, you had 78 yards on 20 carries for Harden and then 75 on 11 for Steele. Yeah. So not really that much of a difference. I think Steele's definitely in that primary back position going forward. You can have, definitely have a bad game in college football. I think Steele's had a bad game. I think it's a hot take that he's the primary back going forward. I do think it might get a little interesting just because, um, I, although you're right. I mean, Carson Steele was far more effective, 6.8 yards a pop versus just 3.9 for TJ Harden. Um, and I personally, I think we all probably think that Carson Steele is just a slightly better back than TJ Harden. But same way, you know, like we said with Garbers, the resiliency, same thing with TJ Harden, you know, kind of took in the backseat so far this year for him to, um, you know, have the performance he did in the lead role. Good for him. Impressive for him. Um, Grace, what did you think of the receivers? Logan Loya, fantastic game. Seven catches, 111 yards. Um, J. Michael Sturdivant, one catch, no yards. Um, what do you think of just the receiving core in that game and, and maybe going forward for UCLA? Yeah, I think Logan Loya really stepped it up. It was a career-high performance, which I thought was interesting. And that catch, obviously, shout out my rap. Oh, lead. yeah. Oh, don't. Yeah. Fantastic lead. Fantastic. I was going to say, just make sure you go on dailybruin.com and look at Grace's fantastic rap because it, it, it's a fun read. It's a fun read. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was um, a great step up from him. I think at the forefront of this team offensively, I've been focusing a lot more on the run game with you know, steel. I mean, Shalee coming in and doing some runs, everything like that. But to see a receiving performance like that of Loya's this week was a really interesting take for the team. Yeah, I think that we haven't really seen a receiver take over maybe other than that opening game of the season. J. Michael Sturdivant had a huge game. He really did it on a few catches, right? That huge Dante Moore, I believe it was like a 62-yard touchdown on his first throw or whatever, uh, or on his uh, first throw coming back in the game. Anyways, Sturdivant had that one big game. Other than that, there hasn't really been a huge performance from a receiver. So for J Logan Loyal to have 111 yards, um, really impressive. And I think he's going to continue that. At this point, with the Garbers, I feel like they have a chemistry that, that uh, Dante Moore and, and, and Logan Loyal maybe didn't have, Jack. Yeah, I mean, it seems like either whether it's you know Dante or Ethan out there, it seems like at least since Pac-12 play has started, Logan has somehow been the primary wide receiver for those guys, even though you have J. Mike, who is far more athletically talented than Logan Loya. You would say that. I mean, Logan Loya is more of like the slot receiver kind of, you know, archetype, right? But Sturdivant is obviously a longer receiver. He has, you know, a great ability to catch the ball on the sideline. He goes out wide. He's he's very versatile. Um, but yeah, Logan Loya has just been a reliable, really reliable weapon for either of these quarterbacks. And so I think whether it's Dante or Ethan moving forward, I think Logan Loya is still going to be a very critical part of this offense. And for those of us listening who have heard the argument between Gavin and I before <laughs> about Logan Loya's role in this offense, I will concede that Gavin, I was wrong earlier, and Gavin was certainly right about Logan Loya being more important than whatever running back I said was more important. Than <laughs> I think, well, uh, the funny thing is you said TJ Harden, and then TJ Harden had a big role in this game too as well. But just one more thing I'll add with Logan Loya. I totally agree that J. Michael Sturdivant is a much more intriguing athlete and obviously has the height advantage, probably the, well, definitely the speed advantage, all that. But I think people do forget Logan Loya was a four-star receiver coming out of high school, coming out of St. John Bosco. It's not like he's coming from nowhere. He's coming from a prime high school in Southern California. He's a four-star prospect despite being 5'11", 180. Um, so it's not like the talent is not there. He is phenomenal at what he does. And what he does is he's a slot receiver that will get open in short-yarded situations, make phenomenal catches on the sideline. That wasn't the first difficult catch he's had this season. And um, I think, yeah, there's plenty more going forward for Logan Loya, especially with the Ethan Garbers at the helm. Um, now we will transition. We are not going to do a position tier just because um, 
the way you're listening to this podcast episode is obviously on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or SoundCloud. Um, we are not doing a video for this uh, this episode. Um, so it, it might be a little confusing to have a tier list if you can't see it. So we're just going to go straight to everyone's, I don't know what ranking favorite segment, but it seems like everyone loves the Chipometer, where we give our takes on Chip Kelly's performance and the state of the program underneath Chip Kelly. I think we had it kind of around the middle after the Stanford game, um, an expected win. They handled business. But Grace, how how are you feeling about the program under Chip Kelly now after a second straight win against maybe not a great team, um, but still handling business and, and still just two losses on the season? How do you feel about the team under Chip? Um, I think it could stay in about the same spot, maybe move up slightly. I don't think this game was enough to move Chip up the chipometer, yes. if you will, yes. very much. Um, I think seeing UCLA against a better defensive team would give us a little bit more, but I think the defense, how great they've been performing is a little bit of a repeated story at this point. And the offense has only really been seen the last few games against subpar defenses. So I think keeping chip at the same point. Yeah, I have to agree with Grace on this one. I mean, I apologize to our listeners for being boring because I feel like it's every week we're like, oh, Chip's just somewhere in the middle. He's not really going that far up, that far down. But I don't know. It's just I'm also in the same vein where I want to see a really, really good game or a really, really bad game before I consider moving Chip way up or down this Chipometer here, right? We just haven't really seen, like, against a quality opponent, we haven't seen that in recent weeks, at least the way I see it, right? Um, This was a game, obviously, Uslay was supposed to win, I think, even though Joseph for some reason thought Colorado would win this game. I'm going to call him out. Yeah, yeah, right Joseph, now. if you're listening, what in the world? Anyways, <laughs> it's a strange pick. Um, but anyways, uh, yeah, I, I think if anything, as Grace said, I'm moving Chip up a little bit um, just because the offense is starting to show a little more cohesiveness as opposed to being early in the season, just being a lot more dysfunctional. Um, obviously, we know Chip's a very offensive-minded guy. This offense is all Chip's doing. It's all his schemes. This is all his mind. Um and so I think he deserves a little bit of credit for starting to put things together a little bit better on offense. Still, I'm going to knack him or I'm going to I'm going to dig him a little bit for not starting Dante um, just because I think he's a much better pick in this position. That's the only reason I maybe don't have Chip going up a little bit more. But my point being is that I have it the same way. I don't chip really moving that much after this week. Yeah, totally agree with both of you. Middle of the pack, middle of the pack, middle of the thermometer, chipometer um, for Chip think the quarterback situation I'm I've changed my mind I think Ethan probably deserves to be the guy but I just think the way Chip handled the situation is still puzzling in my opinion um but a couple things real quick and I'll make it quick because we're going to finish this episode up um 28 points doesn't look great especially against Colorado but context two fumbles inside the 25 like you know that could easily be 35 could be easily be 42 points on the board um I think not only were there the, those turnovers there, the missed field goal we talked about, but also they, they kind of took control in the third quarter. You didn't really need to, you know, have crazy tempo or anything like that. I think Chip knows that that team was not, or Colorado was not really going to find much success against the defense the way it's playing. So kind of conservative game. It's all you needed to do. Totally agree with both of you. They need to prove it against a better opponent. I don't know if, um, you know, we'll see with Arizona. That's a much stronger opponent, and that'll really tell us a lot about, you know, this program under Chip Kelly. Um, but for now, middle of the pack, middle, I keep saying middle of the pack, middle of the chipometer for chip, I think is the way to go. So, um, yeah, I think that'll do it for this episode. Um, UCLA is now what? Six and two on the season. Six and two. So middle of the pack, middle of the middle, middle of the thermometer for chip, middle of 
the standings for UCLA, kind of an average what we expected season so far from them. And we will talk about the huge game against Arizona in the next episode. So as always, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts for this episode. No UCLA Daily Bruin on YouTube for this episode, but for every other amazing episode we had, if you want to see Jack's amazing hair, if you want to see Grace's amazing hair face, everything on the women's basketball pod as she smiles looking at me, um, do that. Um, we've got a bunch of amazing content on dailybruin.com because as Jack said, the sports section, the best sports section in the country. So go read our articles, go for, uh, consume all our amazing content. Grace, you got one more thing to add? Yeah, I just got to give a quick shout out. Go watch the women's basketball pod. Facts. If you want to hear us talking about Facts. women's basketball. Facts. If you're not watching the women's basketball pod, you're not doing it right. Facts. Right? I, we might be the only useless women's basketball pod. I'm just putting that out there. And if we aren't, we are the best. And I can stake my claim with that. But all right, that'll do it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. And we will be back later in the week for an Arizona UCLA preview. And one more thing for Coach Prime. Are we coming? <laughs> so long, everyone.